So here in uh, the book of Acts, as we began this journey, we are seeing this man, Luke, who is the writer, um, bringing some very important uh, aspects and principles for us to learn as we are seeing the genesis of the church. He's quite a brilliant man, a doctor and an artist and a good historian. When he wrote the gospel, um, and also, you know, some people say this is the gospel number two, according to Luke, because he's continuing with the story, living it where, you know, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he's taken up and the disciples are going back to Jerusalem while they were so happy. And he continues now, he picks it up from there, telling us what really happened, the emotions um, and the thought process of this disciple when the Lord, their master, is being taken away from them. And we also saw that um, Jesus Christ um, said to them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Pretty exciting that you'll be failed to be, you know, my disciples. The gospel says that they went back to Jerusalem rejoicing. And what are they rejoicing about considering the place they are going back to? They're going back to Jerusalem, a place where, you know, they're being schemed for. A place where our Lord Jesus Christ experienced a lot of suffering. But nonetheless, because God told them to, they did obey the voice of their master. And here in verses 12, the Bible says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, or the Mount Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. And he said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. 
Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and failing headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language Akildama. That is a field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalm, let his dwelling place be desolate and no one will live in it and another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to, they proposed to Joseph called by Sabbath, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the heart of all, show which of these you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go into his own place. And they cast their lots, and the Lord fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Quite an amazing story here. And this is being ready through prayer. Or we are going to talk about the readiness through prayer, a very important aspect of every Christian or every believer. He continues to say that he, they returned to Jerusalem from this mount near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. A Sabbath day's journey, they calculated it and they say it was about 2,000 Cubits, or that would translate to 1.2 kilometers. During the Sabbath day, we know the, the, the custom of the Jewish people, they were not allowed to work. So they came about, you know, some distance that would not actually get people tired. They were not allowed to walk on a Sabbath day, but were allowed to walk within the stipulated distance in that they were not supposed to turn the walking into work. So they say, these are the parameters. 2,000 cubits around the temple. And they used this distance for meditation after worshiping in the temple. So after they've gone and the, the, the scriptures were read to them, they would go out and just walk within 
this stipulated area and they would have a walk and they would meditate upon what was read in the temple. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, sometimes we think that, you know, we, this thing we just came about, you know, having an evening walk. <laughs> you know, it's just the other day. No, they used to do it a long time ago. <laughs> just walking around, thinking about the word of God, meditating upon it. And for, for those who practice this kind of thing, it is so refreshing. Coming out of your house from a busy day, from busy schedules of just viewing the nature. Some would do it early in the morning, just seeing, you know, the sunrise, the beautiful sun as it comes out and thinking about the goodness of God. And all this just takes you back to a heart that is geared to worshiping the King of Kings. So there were parameters that were set. So this place was actually not very far. You know, it was just within um, Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem um, from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And they had, when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. So a lot of people, some people say, well, this upper room must have been within the temple courts. Some say maybe it was just an inn, a place where they would just gather, they would go about their business and then come back and gather in this place. But nonetheless, the Bible tells us that they gathered in an upper room and this place, as we will continue to see, that it was accessible to many other people. Or the event that would take place in this room, or the voices, or the singing, would be heard with the people who were around them. We'll see that when the Holy Spirit will come upon them, people will hear their voices speaking marvelous works unto God. So it was not very far from people. It was within the reach of people. And they went there. They stayed there and they were praying. And do, do you realize that when the, the, the names of these disciples are mentioned, most of the time begins with Peter. Most of the time, Peter. He was a man who was always at the forefront of doing things. He didn't care whether they are right or wrong. He would just go to them. Face things head on. You know, sometimes when, when it comes to learning, sometimes people would try to restrict themselves from saying things or going to this place or taking a fast step or just risking it for the sake of whatever it is. Peter wasn't like that. He would risk it and every other time. You know, he would say this and Jesus would say, hey, get behind me, Satan. Because <laughs> you speak the things that are of the flesh. You're like, he just rebuked me. I will never say a word anymore. 
And other times you hear, you know, it is Peter who says, hey, you, other people have said you're the prophet, the teacher, or whatever name, Elijah. But through the Holy Spirit of God, through the Father, he said, you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So there are times when he's walking in the flesh. There are times when he's walking in the spirit. But he was never afraid to speak it out, to just say things. But this, uh, Jesus said to them, you will be empowered. And when Jesus is saying to them these words, they had spent 40 days just lulling from our Lord, speaking things. Jesus speaking things to them. This Mount of Olives is where he began his suffering, our Lord Jesus. And also, there he rolled away their reproach by his glorious ascension and showed that his passion and ascension had the same reference and tendency entering his kingdom in the sight of Jerusalem, entering his kingdom in the sight of, of this place where he suffered. For this was a wonderful message for them to think about because they were pretty much afraid. How are we going to serve? How are we going to be witnesses in Jerusalem considering all the sufferings that our Lord Jesus Christ went through? We became part of his suffering because people hate us because of him. This is the same place where Jesus is gloriously being taken away. And the angels, you remember what the angel says? That the same way you saw him go, the same way you will see him come back again in splendor and power. So if you're feeling discouraged, this is a place where we experience suffering. This is a place where we see a lot of these promises now began to become true. the Mount of Olives. And they were gathered in this place. These all continued with one accord in prayers and supplication. The women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Why is it important that it does point out the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why is it even important? Because, you know, it's already mentioned the women. You notice that after resurrection, everyone becomes Christ's witness regardless of their background, so that we don't deify people. When Jesus is saying, hey, wait for the promise of the Father, he doesn't say, this other group, you go and wait, but my mom, you have a different role. 
He does not say that. Everyone who was present, they are given a command to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. So even the sons of Mary and Mary herself, they become brothers and sisters. How wonderful. <laughs> and the reason why the Bible points out or singles out Mary is because there were other Marys that were there. We had Mary, the mother of Jesus. We had Mary Magdalene. Mary, Lazarus' sister. Mary, who was Cleophas' wife. And others like Salome. That means Mary was a common name. So if you want people to know what you're talking about, just mention who. Who are you talking about? Be specific. And also, this is, not even probably, this is the last time Mary is mentioned in the pages of the Holy Scriptures. You won't see any other place Mary being mentioned. I mean, she can be mentioned when the gospel is preached, but in terms of writings, she's men not mentioned again. Notice that the early church did not venerate Mary until, you know, in the 14th century with the Catholics. They brought the um, doctrine of the perpetual virginity, saying that she remained a virgin forever. <laughs> we see in the Bible that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, right? Have you guys read it? The other brothers, at least Mary had, you know, four boys and other gods. So how would she remain a virgin after having other children? It is not sensible. Even people who are not very learned, they can figure out this one easily. And do you think, you know, God in his providence would deny this couple the right for marriage, to enjoy marriage together? <laughs> the husband and wife. Mary was used to bring Jesus. That's all. We thank God for that. After that, they continued their lives as husband and wife, and the Lord blessed them with children. So this perpetual virginity that was brought in the 14th century was popularized by the Catholic to mean that Mary remained a virgin, even after the birth of Jesus and the sons and daughters that she had after that. So they started to deify Mary, to make her special, 
to pray in the name of Mary or asking Mary to pray for us. Pray for us because you're holy. You're holier than thou, (laughs) holier than every other person who exists in this planet. The disciples never did that. They never. And in fact, if you try to translate this word in Swahili, you know, this is to regard with great reverence. And in Swahili, it means kuabudu. (laughs) So they started to worship Mary. We don't want to do that because the scriptures doesn't give us the um, freedom to do that. So that is why Mary is mentioned here and she will not be mentioned again. That means everyone becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ. You remember when he was in the temple and Mary was trying to find him. He said, hey, your mother and brethren are looking for you. Do you know what Jesus said? Who is my mother? (laughs) You'd think that is, you know, a rude response. Say, who is my mother? He said, whoever is my mother is the one who does the will of my father. In other words, here they're saying, hey, Mary also has a responsibility to do what? The will of the Father. (laughs) To preach the gospel. And as he does that, you're not going about telling people that, hey, you know what? My son is the savior of the world. Say, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. If you accept him, he gives you life. He has given me life, he will give you life. That's all. And in those days, Peter stood stood up in the middle of the disciples. Altogether, there were 120. Men and brethren, this is what he said. This scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Now you see there's a transformation. There was something special happening here. This is Peter who used just to blab words, say things for the sake of saying. There is a change of heart at this time. That is saying, men and brethren, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. How would just a fisherman bring about the scripture that were written by David long ago? What information did he have about the scriptures? And the scripture that he's bringing about were written long time ago by David, the man of God. That was, he quoted Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109, 8. He combined them. How was it possible for him to know this? 
How was it possible? Say, men and brethren, these scriptures had to be fulfilled which was with the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Wow. He was numbered with us. He obtained a part in this ministry. He was among the apostles. Amongst the twelve. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and failing headlong he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. <laughs> well, if you read in the Gospels, you say, hey, he committed suicide. <laughs> he hanged himself and he died. There's no much details of what Luke is trying to bring to us. And as I mentioned to us, you know, Luke tries to think about these things from a doctor's point of view, giving us details that sometimes disturbing. <laughs> you know, you find these doctors around, if you look at their phones, sometimes they have very disturbing pictures of what they were doing last week. They were doing some operation, then they took pictures to help them see, you know, how to do it better next time or what really was the problem. These doctors, I don't know what goes in their minds when they see these things daily. I mean, you see blood daily. You inject people daily. You, like, we can't figure out where the veins are. You're like, Hitting people every day. Your jobs are, <laughs> that's a calling. You know what Luke says here? His entries gushed out. <laughs> In other words, you guys deal with the information, but what I'm saying is all the intestines and everything, they were burst open. <laughs> Whatever you want to use with the information, that is up to you. Why is it important? I don't know. He just throw it out there. <laughs> he died, hanged himself. Some people say when he was hanging himself in the top of that tree, you know, the, the rope snapped and he fell on a rock or something and he's entering. That was big. I don't know how tall this tree was, because when you, this is the top of this, this is 35 feet. When you get to the ground here, I don't know if that will happen, depending on how you land on the planet Earth. <laughs> I can't get my mind around this busting. But nonetheless, he said, it happened, open. And it became known to all those who were dwelling in Jerusalem, so that this field is called, in their own language, Akeldama, 
that is filled of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalm, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. You see where this is going. So this man was numbered with us, but he partook of something that was very sinful that caused him to commit suicide. So in their first meeting, as the disciples of Jesus without the Lord, this is what they're dealing with. They're dealing with suicide. <laughs> you know, how are they going to do this ministry without one man? And why is this one man even important? Because it says one, another should take his office. One other person should take his office. Why is it important? Why is it important? And how is it possible that right now, previously they were asking, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? But we see here that that is not what now Peter is concerned about. He's concerned about the ministry. And you'd ask, how did they know the scriptures? Number one, this 40 days, Jesus opened their understanding as recorded in Luke chapter number 24 after the resurrection. He opened their understanding so that they would understand, get the scriptures. And number two, Jesus spent time with them in these 40 days teaching them the scriptures. How did they know it? Now when they saw its fulfillment. That is how now Peter is bringing these scriptures to life. What was written in Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. He combined them. So what they're dealing with is, you know, in their primary meeting, is the suicide of one of them who was numbered with them chosen by Christ, but became the son of perdition. Why is this choosing important? Jesus made a promise in Matthew 19, 28, that they would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Talking to the disciples, the 12, they would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So how would this be fulfilled with the 11? It's like we have the 12 tribe, but we only have 11. So this one tribe, just bear with us. When we are done judging these people, one of these other men will come and help you. No, that is not how it works. They have to be 12. They were to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. This would not be achieved if one tribe wouldn't be judged because one man missed. And that is how the scriptures are being fulfilled. So the things that are happening, they are being quickened 
to understand what Jesus used to say to them over and over and over, and now it becomes alive. And what did they do? They casted lots. And you're wondering, <laughs> was it right? Was it the right thing to do? Could they just pray to God and he, in his providence show them this person? Do you think God cannot do that? He's able to do everything and anything. God is able. If you go through the Old Testament, you'll find that there were times that they would cast stones and they called it, it was called Urim and Thummim. Casting the lots, and whoever it fell upon, or whatever thing they were praying about, it fell in that way. They know this is what the Lord is saying. You know, it says in Proverbs 16 33, let me read it for us. Proverbs 16.33 The lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the Lord. So this does not mean that when they were doing this they were doing it without the consent of the Lord. This was practiced with the Jewish people. And probably they remembered these things because the Lord still used it in that time. God was still present even when these things were happening. So they chose two men. They chose two gentlemen to come. They, they prayed and brought these two men, prayed over them, and this is the model of their prayer. Let me continue reading from verses 21. Therefore, of all these men who have accompanied us, all the time that Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us in his resurrection. One of these men who has been there with us. So it means when Jesus was coming in and out, going out and preaching the gospel to people, Many other people followed who were not the mentioned 12. There were so many others who followed. And he says, amongst those who followed, amongst those who witnessed of these things, those things, and amongst them, if we have them here, those are the right ones for God to use. And they proposed to it is not one man proposing, they did. They proposed to, 
Joseph, called Barsabbas, whose surname was Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. In other words, they say, Hey, Lord, we are bringing this man. They all have qualified. They have been there from when this began. They are still here with us. But we only, want, we only need one man to be added to the 12 so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. Show us this man. Show us this man. To take part in the ministry and the apostleship which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place, the place of darkness forever. And they cast their lots, and the Lord fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Was he better than the rest of the people who were in there? Now, the Lord just chose him. <laughs> the Lord doesn't choose people because they are better than the rest. These other people who are not chosen to be amongst the twelve, they have their own responsibilities. They have their own duties to fulfill. So that we don't think because he didn't choose justice, just as we would go home feeling like, man, I missed that opportunity. Maybe I'm not as important as the rest of these guys. But you see the story changes. There are things that are seizing that we'll never see throughout the scriptures. We will never see again the casting of lots again. It ceases. And do you know the reason why it ceases? Because when the Holy Spirit is poured upon people, he will teach them and guide them in all truth. The Holy Spirit begins to teach people. He begins to make people understand what was written. When the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, he will teach you all truth, not just one. All truth. The question that people ask with this is, do we still have the apostles? Or is the office still valid? As I bring the worship team to come. Is it valid? Maybe I'll mention two things and the rest you'll try to figure out by yourself. Number one, in the most stricter sense, we don't. In the most strictest sense, I mean 
by what they're talking about here in the scripture that one must be added in the apostleship so that when this scripture is becoming alive, that the 12 tribes will be judged by them. It will not be judged with all the thousands of apostles that we have in the world today. It will be, the trials will be judged with only 12. That is in the more stricter sense. In a more general sense, we would say yes because it, the, basically an apostle, it means the sent one. One who is sent. So in a more general sense, we would say you are an apostle. Why? Because you have been sent forth to be a witness of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul talks about it every time he say, my apostleship is not from me. The qualification of these uh, 12 was number one, he was present physically when Jesus was there. That is why they are choosing from among the people who witnessed things when Jesus went out and he came back until when he was taken up. And that is Matthias who is added. But we also see Apostle Paul whose apostleship was attacked many times and he says, I am not called according to the flesh. I am appointed. I am a bond slave. Did Paul the apostle walk with Jesus? No. How did he encounter Jesus? Jesus appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him as we will see it in the scriptures. But probably he will not have the privilege to be amongst the 12 who will judge. The what? The 12 tribes. But he is an apostle called and ordained by God. So you think about it and try to figure it out and may the Lord help you. Amen. How does the Lord help us? When we meditate upon his word, he will reveal his will. Amen. The Bible tells us here that they continued in prayer and supplication as they were waiting for the promise of the Father. This subject, I know it's been talked about, many books have been written about it, you can read for yourself. But do you know how best you can do it? When you're doing it. <laughs> you know how best you can interact with it when you're actually doing it. These men and women could not go an hour past without invoking the name of God. They stayed steadfast. They prayed and the Bible said that they were in unity. If you're praying and there is discord, you won't see the power of the Spirit amongst you. When you begin to see God walking in a church, in a group, in a family, in people's life, know that there is oneness in the spirit. There is unity in the spirit that causes 
tremendous things to happen. How I pray that will be found amongst the people who will be praying. You pray that the Lord will show you what you ought to do, the direction you ought to take in terms of, you know, your ministry, your career, your family, whatever it is. You pray that the, the, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Wait for the promise of the Father. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you that you have been us with us and you are with us right here. We thank you for the privilege that we are called your own sons and daughters. And as you gave this command to your disciples to be witnesses, Lord, help us also in our times today to be proper witnesses witnessing of your love witnessing of your grace witnessing of your salvation and forgiveness lord help us sometimes we are timid sometimes we are out of strength we are praying that your holy spirit will strengthen us to do your very will empower us holy spirit and as we are learning from your word, we pray it will not just be a story of what happened, but it will be so alive in us because we are going to do it. We are going to launch and do your will. As we serve you this morning through our finances, as we give to you, may we remember that whatever we give, we give out of love because of how much you have blessed us. This is a response towards expressing our love to you through our finances. We love you, God, and we praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen.